Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Jesus, that we do stand redeemed. It's only because of you. Romans chapter 12. Let's turn there. And uh, good to be in uh, church this morning with you all. Good to uh, fellowship and be able to just uh, render some worship to the Lord. And uh, I just appreciate being here. My last Sunday today, I uh, have to... Uh, leave out on Wednesday night after our Wednesday night meeting. And uh, so uh, this will be my last Sunday with you until I return. Uh, when will that be? I don't know. When will Jesus return? But uh, I'm hoping he'll beat me. But uh, if not, I do have a hope uh, that God will allow us to be back, uh, well, into the future. Is that broad? <laughs> Sometime. Uh, but it's good to be here uh, I love this church. If you're visiting, uh, we welcome you. Or if you've just started coming, we welcome you. Uh, if you've been here a long time, then, uh, you know, we don't need to welcome you. But it's just good to be here. And uh, I love this place. I love this church. Uh, there's no reason that this building could not fill up and be half again. I absolutely believe that. There's, 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 there's no reason that that can't happen. Uh, there's no reason that we are not reaching a point that this auditorium is at overflow and uh, we need to be looking at our next step. And uh, that's, not a, that's not a wild, crazy thing to say. I'm saying that to you as someone who has uh, seen a lot of churches around the world, uh, has some understanding of how God works and uh, what can happen in a local church. And I'm telling you that there's no reason that we cannot move to full, to overflowing uh, to having to contemplate uh, what we're going to do next. And I really believe that. I hope you're praying unto that end. And why is that a good thing? Uh, because that would represent more people coming to the Lord and uh, more people coming and getting under the teaching of the Word of God. Let's recover our vision uh, if we've allowed it to fall to the ground and uh, be believing in what God can do. I, I, I do not stand up here... Uh, preaching a message of defeat. Uh, our God has positioned us for victory and for forward movement. Uh, we're not in the business of retreat. He said we move forward and the gates of hell uh, would not stop us. And so uh, I understand the, the present age that we live in, uh, but I also firmly believe there are many, many people who, if they would hear the gospel, and may I say understand it, will respond to it. Uh, a lot of Australians are just in a place of confusion. And what they've done, they've mixed up organised religion with the message of Christ. And so immediately we start talking about Jesus. They think we're preaching about religion. And uh, so they immediately go back to their misconceptions about that or they shut down. Uh, but uh, I think if we can get people to just understand uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ, that that's a winning message because, listen, Jesus changes lives. He makes families better. He makes lives better. He made me a whole lot better. And uh, I'm thankful for his presence. And it's a, it's, I have something good to tell people. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not selling Amway. If you are, good luck to you. But I'm, I'm not selling Amway. I'm not selling anything. Uh, what I'm telling you about, I don't get points if you get saved or don't get saved, but I'm telling you what's true. 
Jesus changes lives. Uh, Jesus is the answer no matter what is the day. Uh, Jesus is what the world needs. Jesus is what your neighbours need. Uh, Jesus is as much relevant to this generation as he ever was. And we just need to preach Christ. And uh, we, need to, we need to not be intimidated uh, or frightened or somehow have lost our zeal or lost our strength. Let's recover that by the grace and by the Spirit of God and be preaching Christ. I stand to you <clears throat> this morning as somebody who has seen that the preaching of Christ works all over the world. Uh, listen, this, 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 this can only be God that has an ability uh, to be reaching Buddhists and Muslims. There's a great revival going on in parts of Egypt right now. Uh, churches are in overflow uh, where, where just many, many people uh, who were born Islamic uh, are now looking at Christ and are finding that Jesus is the answer. And, uh, and that's, you don't get that news all the time. You know, the, what the devil wants to try to tell you is, oh, you're just part of a little diminishing group and you're practically defeated already. You know, and that's not true. There are lots of people still getting saved and the work of God is continuing. There are Buddhist people getting saved who have never, ever heard this message before, but when they do hear it uh, and respond to it, their lives are marvellously changed. And you can't explain what happens in their life and what happens in their family, but to say this is Christ and the power of Christ. And uh, so, so let's, let's keep our zeal and keep believing. Uh, we're not hanging our hats on what Canberra does. Forget about that. That's a mess. Let's just preach Christ and uh, let's live for Christ and uh, let's not be distracted by these other things. Uh, uh, you know, there's, uh, it, it, it's dark in many ways when you look at the state of the world, but, but it's probably been worse. Uh, if, you know, if you lived through World War II, you'd be thankful that you're alive right now. If you lived through the Blitz in London where about every house was demolished, you'd be glad that you lived in this day. And there are still a lot of liberties available to us. And I'm not, not saying they're not being assailed, but let's go forward as the people of God and let's preach the message of Christ. We only have one life that we can live for him. One life where this voice God gave you, you can speak out the words of Christ. One life where you get to use the energy that God has put in your body, the strength that God has given you to preach the message of Christ. And the day will come where you will lay this earthly robe down and you'll depart. And that opportunity will be gone. But it's not gone now. It's, a, it's available to us now. You have friends who need to hear the message of Christ. You, you have people that you work with who have not heard. And uh, we need to be just you know, retooling and remobilizing, moving out and uh, preaching, preaching the message of Christ. A wonderful thing. Uh, don't doubt the power of the gospel and it, it still works and it's still available today. Romans chapter 12, we read two verses there. Once I knew Jules was coming, I just knocked it down to two verses. I, uh, I was just, I want to be merciful there. And I uh, didn't want to overwork him. So, uh, so just I thought just a couple of verses. 
And uh, I did check. I thought I'd do this. We'll randomly select people to do the reading just to see if they brought their Bible. <laughs> and, uh, and if we just kind of pick a few people out there, weirdly, sometimes everybody will start bringing their Bible, you know, because they'll think it could be, it could be me. Uh, all right. So I'm going to talk to you this morning uh, about principles of the will of God, principles of the will of God. And uh, that's why I did this Bible reading. Uh, just to reference in verse number two, the will of God. Now, verse number one uh, tells us some things, and I'm not preaching too much. I'll give you lots of other Bible scriptures, but uh, verse number one just tells us what we ought to be and what we ought to do so that we can prove for ourselves by our own lives what, how good the will of God is for us. Does that make sense? So, so what God is saying there is... Um, you know, uh, uh, give your body up, yield yourself to God is what it's saying. And, uh, and, uh, and, and God is saying it's your reasonable service. It's not a big thing to ask. And you've got you've to be uh, mentally transformed in your thinking. You cannot just be conformed to the perspectives or the philosophy or the, the mental thinking of the day. It takes a transformation. Now, when you get saved and get into the Bible a transformation in your thinking will happen. And, uh, and as you, you do that and you yield yourself, you position yourself to be able to prove and know for yourself uh, the goodness of the will of God. The will of God in your life will always lead you to a better place than you can get to yourself. The, the will of God will result in blessings on you your marriage, your family, your life, your work, and all that you lay your hands to do, the will of God. And so I want to just give you some principles about the will of God. I, I, I address this periodically because I suspect for a lot of Christians sometimes it is a subject that they find a little bit obscure. People are often not certain uh, about, you know, what they're supposed to do or how do you find the will of God. So you know, I'll give you some things. I don't know what's everything. Well, I know it's not everything, but it's something. So here's number one. The will of God is always revealed incrementally. It's never 100% revelation at one time. Okay? The will of God is revealed incrementally. It's never just here is everything at once. It will never work that way. So, so you, have to, you have to understand that. Uh, God's will for you will be shown in a series of steps and uh, he'll never lay out a lifetime uh, of how it's going to go. He doesn't do that. So you see this in a number of things. You see it. it's part of how God chooses to work with us. There's a reason for it. But uh, you see it in the way that God reveals things in the scriptures. So if you studied your Bible, if you've read from the beginning through to the end, you'll find that there are a number of subjects in the Bible that are progressively opened up or progressively revealed. Uh, for example, salvation. Now, if you only had the book of Genesis or, or you just had maybe the first four or five books of the Old Testament, you might have some, some understanding of salvation, but, but over time, God made it clearer and clearer and clearer until finally, in the New Testament, it's just so super clear. And, uh, and it was just a progressive revelation. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? 
So in Genesis, about all you, you see in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, uh, God slays an animal and covers Adam and Eve, and there's a picture of salvation in that. Uh, God makes a promise to the woman that her seed would crush the head of the serpent, and that was a prophetic promise of the coming Messiah, but, but there's some obscurity with that deliberately because it was going to be progressively revealed over time till we finally get to the New Testament and we realise, well, before we got there, we realised there was a coming Messiah. Uh, that became clear. Then we get to the New Testament and we find out who it is. And now we've got a name. And it's a blessed name, Jesus. And it's a blessed name because it's the name of the Messiah. It's the name of the sent one of God. And uh, we got a name. And, uh, and it all became clear. But it was progressively revealed. Uh, uh, heaven, uh, God's plan for the uh, ages in the world was progressively revealed. Uh, you get to Daniel and there's a great unfolding of what God is going to do in the world. But before you got to Daniel, that wasn't all that clear. And I'm just saying that the character of God as seen in the Bible when it comes to explaining things to us is that it is given in increments, progressively revealed over time. Now, when it comes to God's will for a person, and now maybe you'll, you'll listen, it's often in steps. So, so he's not going to show you everything at once, though he knows it. But he's going to show you a step at a time or a couple of steps at a time. And this is evidenced in the Bible when you look at God's leading in the lives of people. I think it's particularly seen in uh, Abraham. And maybe it's particularly seen in Abraham because Abraham is in Genesis and God wanted to get it to us quickly. And God wanted to give it to us way early on when the first scriptures were being given to the people of God that they could follow a pattern of how God leads people and how God shows people things. So for Abraham, contemplate Abraham. Abraham was told by God that he was to leave where he was. But he was not told by God where he was going to end up. And, and the reason you, 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 I want you to digest that is because you cannot try to lay out a lifetime of understanding about where the will of God is going to take you. Because that's known to God, but it's not known to you. What is known to you is if you walk with God, everything will be okay. But he'll show you the next step, the next step, the next step. And so all you have to do, you just have to be obedient to what God has showed you as your present step. It says in Hebrews 11, verse number 8, about Abraham, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. When he was called to go out, he obeyed. And he went out, and then it says, not knowing whither he went. When he was called to go out, he went out, but he didn't know where it was going to finally end up because God had not told him that part. Now, everything worked out fine. It always does in the will of God. And I, 
I want you to understand that because you don't have to know your life plan right now. You, 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 you just have to know what, what would God have you to do now? What's the step, what's the present step in your life now? Uh, or, or is there something else God has told you? When he, when he was told by God to go out, he went out not knowing whither he went. When I was studying that, I thought to myself, it reminded me uh, when I had come to Christ, I was reached for Christ by a uh, Pentecostal charismatic group of believers who set up an outreach in Bracken Ridge where I grew up. And uh, so they had set up, they, they rented what used to be a fruit shop, which had a, a, a roller shutter door uh, in the shops at Bracken Ridge. I still drive past it, by the way. Uh, I'm, I'm given to nostalgia. And so I still drive past it. I pause frequently at places where God did things in my life to remember that. I don't like to forget. It touches my heart when I remember it. And so they started an outreach in that fruit shop, charismatic, Pentecostal. But, but even within that umbrella, they had a few strange beliefs. And, uh, and nonetheless, they preached the gospel to me, which I'm very glad for. And uh, God, in his grace, uh, worked in my heart and I received Christ. And, I, and that was all I knew. I, I, that was my first introduction to Christians in Australia. So I never knew anybody who was a Christian. And they were the first people I ever met who were Christians. And so when I meet people today who have no understanding, never been to church, don't know anyone like that, I get it. I, I, I grew up like that. And so I, I went to the church where those people led me to Christ and uh, while I was in my infancy of Christian growth, you know, doing the ABCs of, of the Bible and the basics, everything was fine. Uh, but as I started to get a little more than that, uh, there was some teaching there, and I didn't know it, I know it now, but it was, it was starting to get a little bit strange, even within the umbrella of that movement. And so I was sitting in church, and I remember particularly being in a church service where God spoke to me, and I didn't even know God spoke to people. But I, I, it was unforgettable. I was sitting in church, and God said to me on a particular time in church, you are to leave this place. And that's what, and that, I can remember the words. It was that clear. Now, the only other time I have, and I, you say, did you hear a voice? Uh, was it just something inside of you? I, I cannot... I'm not sure, but I can say this, it was unmistakable that I can, I can still remember it clearly to this day. You are to leave this place. This, the only other time that I've had a, almost a verbal leading like that, if it was that, was when I was, uh, God said to me, go to Nakonsawan. And I, I can remember having a conversation, it was very brief, but I have it written down, but I hadn't forgotten it. And when God said to me, "Go," we were in Bangkok, God told me, go to Nakhonsawan. And I responded, uh, uh, can I live there? Because, it, well, I mean, that's what I was feeling. I, in the city of Bangkok, it was this little town out in the middle. I didn't know anything. Can I live there? And uh, God answered me, my grace will be sufficient for you. And uh, I had one other question. He answered that too, and that was the end of it. But I did not doubt. Went back, I said to my wife, I said, honey, I believe God has spoken to me. Go to knock on someone, wondering how she might handle that. She said, I've been feeling the same thing. Now, she didn't hear a voice, but God had been working 
God had been working in her heart. I went to Joe and Di, who had got saved. I said, Joe, sit down. I have something to talk to you about. I believe God told me, uh, they were living with us at that time, I believe God told me, go to Nakon Sawan. And I looked at him, he said, I think we're meant to go. So we packed up and went, by the way, within four weeks. Left, left I mean, we just went. You, you say, how'd you just go? Well, listen, we had a one-year contract on an apartment, but that doesn't stop me doing the will of God. You know, what, what happens is we balk at things, why we can't do what God is telling us to do. And I don't believe in that. I believe, I believe this, be certain it's God. Okay, be certain it's God and not too much pizza or, you know, something you're self-willing or, you know, something nutty, but be certain it's God. But when you know it's God, do it. And so we packed everything up and away we went. But I was in that church and God said to me, you're to leave this place. And at that time, I had some friends who were attending, some young people. I'd been attending a young people's group at what was then uh, Bald Hills Presbyterian Church. And I had a friend there, his name was Wesley. And Wesley and I used to talk about doctrine and knowing the church I'd come from. I was trying to persuade Wesley that he needed to leave Presbyterianism and come to me, you know. I, I, said, I said, this is where the life is. And I was actively trying to persuade him to, and that was the wrong thing to do, but forgive me, but I was young and silly. Uh, I'm old and silly now. And uh, I would say, Wesley, you need to come. And, and uh, you know, we'd have these discussions. Here's my friend. And when God told me you to leave this place, the only place I knew to go was where he was. So I, I called him up. I remember. I remember where I was. I called him up. I said, Wesley, I need to uh, talk to you about something. And he said, good. I, I needed to talk to you about something as well. I said, well, let's meet. So we met. And uh, Wesley uh, talked first and he said to me, uh, I said, well, what is it? He said, well, uh, uh, I've decided I'm going to leave where I am and come over to where you are. <laughs> and I said, you can't do that. And he said, why not? And I said, no, no, because God has told me to leave where I am and come over to where you are. And he was quite shocked at that. And I told him what happened and then I... I went and uh, met the, the preacher there at the church. Now, I was, let me tell you, I was a zealot from where I'd come from. I was, I was, I was a zealot, you say, without knowledge, pretty well. Pretty well, that's it. And, uh, but, but nonetheless, zeal. And I went over and met with that, uh, that preacher and uh, said to him, would you mind if I came to the church here? I'm not going to try to change anything. I'm not going to disrupt anything. I'm not going to try to pull people out of this church. I'm not going to be divisive. Uh, I just want to be able to attend. I'll submit myself uh, if you'll just let me come. And some of you could learn from that right there about how you go to a church and the attitude you have when you go to a church and the respect you show the place that was already there before you ever got there. And so I went there and had that conversation and uh, graciously he allowed me to come now. Uh, I was there for not a long period of time, uh, two to three years. But during that time, uh, I gained some things that I did not have in the other place. So, so I was there. It was Presbyterianism. 90% of what they taught, I think we'd all agree with. And uh, it was just kind of a place where 
There was just a methodical teaching of doctrine. Uh, and that was stuff that I needed because that was not what I was getting where I came from. So, so but wait, you, you say, but you're not there now. Correct. Because what it was, it was not my final destination. It was just somewhere God had me to sojourn for a period of time, but it was never God's intent for me to be staying there. And, God, and that's why you have to follow the will of God. Because God can be using things to shape you. And it may be that that's not your final destination. And so uh, after that, uh, God then led me through a period of fasting and prayer and some circumstances uh, to, to finally connect up with this church. Uh, when I connected up with this church the first time, it was not on this property. Uh, they were meeting in a kindergarten. It was Robinson Road at, uh, at uh, what is it, Gbung, Aspley, Robinson Road. The meeting in a kindergarten there. That's the first time I attended a service of Good Shepherd Baptist Church. And then a God would bring me back to when they were meeting in the other building. There was cement on the floor, no carpet. Uh, I think red plastic chairs, if I remember it right. And some people are going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's when God brought me here. And when I got here, church-wise, that was my final destination. All right? Now you say, well, you haven't lived your life out. Well, that's true, but, but, but being committed to a local church, I believe God has attached me here. And as far as I can see, I'm planning to finish my old age being attached here. Uh, so, so I'm just saying that the leading of God will be revealed to you progressively in steps. And all you've got to do is be certain, just be certain it's God telling you that this is the step. All right? Don't, you don't have to worry what's going to come after that as long as you're certain it's God telling you this one. Listen, if you, if you, if you, if you, I remember when God told me to marry Suzanne. And uh, that was a blessing, I've got to tell you. Some, some 35 years on, I can tell you that's a blessing or getting that way, that's a blessing. Uh, but God made that clear. Now, now, did I know how everything was going to work out? No. Did I have any money in the bank? No. Did I know where we were going to live or how it was? No. All I knew was what he told me. And uh, by the way, he told her that too. He didn't tell her to marry Suzanne, he told her to marry Wayne. <laughs> But he, but he told me to marry Suzanne and, uh, and uh, everything worked out fine. So if you know that it's God, that's all you need to follow. But be certain it's the Lord. And so God progressively will reveal his will. Number two, the will of God for us is sometimes not revealed until we are ready to receive it. Okay, I'll give you a verse on that. John 16, verse 12. Jesus said to his disciples, who had already been with him for some three and a half years, he said to them, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. And I believe that's what God would be saying to some here. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear it now. You're not, you're not ready for it now. Now, I've got to tell you, uh, I'm grateful that God did not tell me he was going to move me to Asia before I was ready to bear it. 
Because I would have, I would have struggled with that enormously. I would have said, I'm not your guy. There's a miscommunication here. Um, you know, something's wrong. Believe me, out of all the people in the world, it could not possibly be me. Uh, I was not ready for that. But by the time he told me and made that clear, which happened when I was sitting in that pew right over there, that front pew right over there, you'll be amazed what God will say to you if you'll go to church. God will say more things to you in church than he will anywhere else. And that's why the devil doesn't want you in church, but God does want you in church. Because you'll hear things in church that come from God. And you'll hear general things, but you'll hear specific things as well. And if you want to position yourself to walk in the will of God, you've got to be in church. And so I was sitting over there, and that's when God made it clear to me. By the time he made it clear to me, I was mostly okay with receiving that. So, so the will of God may not be revealed to you until you're ready for it. There might be things that God say, if I tell you this now, you will not receive it. Or if I tell you this now, you, you, you are not ready to know how to handle this. Or if I tell you this now, you will get an inflated view of yourself and it's not meet that you should understand this at this time. And so, so God will reveal things to us when we're ready. Let me say, connected with that, the weight of his will is equivalent to what we can bear at that time. The weight of what it, what it, how much we have to carry with that is equivalent to what we can bear at that time. So he will not put a heavy weight of his will on you beyond your capacity to carry it at that time. But that doesn't mean it's not there. It's just not yet revealed. Does that make sense? We're never overloaded beyond the resources that are available to us. Now, now any one of these statements you could sit and think about for a good hour this afternoon and just digest that. We're never overloaded beyond the resources that God makes available to us. So it will usually be in steps, in steps. Number three, the will of God, and this is very important, this, this statement explains a couple of the others. The will of God is always designed to evoke a faith response from us. The will of God is designed to evoke, to call out a faith response from us. And that's why much is not shown to you. You will never understand God, you'll never understand how he works, you'll never understand how blessings come, you'll never understand so much if you don't get this thing that faith is the commodity by which God deals with man. So so everything in this life becomes faith things. And, and that's how, it's just how he does it. When you get to heaven, it's by sight. But here it's by faith. Salvation is by faith. If you don't come by faith, you haven't come. And, but not just salvation, the ongoing walk with God is by faith. So, so God will reveal things to you 
but your response to that will have to be done in a faith way. So, so when I packed up everything to move to Nakhon we didn't have anywhere to live. We didn't know where we were going to stay. We mostly didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't even know what was in that place. Uh, but we were clear, God said, go there. So, so we packed everything up, we went there, and we had nowhere to live. And uh, it's not Australia. You don't go to the real estate agent and say, you know, what's your rental properties? Or You, there was no, you can't do any of that. Nothing, it doesn't work like that. There aren't any real estate places. So, so how do you find a place to live? You, you just got to sort of drive around till you find something. In a place you don't know, in a town, you don't know the layout, where the roads go, or you don't know what area is a good area or a bad area. And, and, but, but we got up there. And uh, we stayed in, they called it a resort. Let me, let me just warn you, if you ever go to Thailand, I've got to tell you, if you ever go to Thailand and they say to you, we put you up in a resort, you need to understand what a Thai resort is versus how Aussies think about resorts. And I'm going to tell you, they are not in any way related. So a resort in Thailand means a little tiny room somewhere It'll probably, have a, it'll probably have a bucket of water and a scoop that use your imagination what that might be used for. Let me tell you, everything, shower, toilet, everything, that's it. Okay, it's not what you're thinking. So we got there and stayed in a resort and uh, we were there for a couple of nights. God bless my wife, she's followed me everywhere. <laughs> I tell you, when we, when we got there, we were cultural barbarians and we didn't know it. You know, a little piece of Tassie arrived to shock Thailand when my wife got there, I want to tell you that. We, we got there and I remember we were living in a house and, and, uh, and uh, she said, uh, you know, we, 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 don't, we need some more bowls or something to put the food out, more people were staying with us, she'll go buy some. And she didn't know it, but she went out and bought the plastic bowl that Thais use to wash themselves when they go to the toilet. <laughs> and, it's the only, and everybody knows what that bowl is. And so the ties arrived at the table. My wife had the curry sitting in the bowls <laughs> that she had bought at the cheap shop for a dollar. And I can never forget the look on their face when they came and looked. And they were looking around. And she was going, what? What? What's wrong? And they said, oh, Kun Suzanne, this is for the toilet. <laughs> so, oh, really? And uh, I tell you what. You get there, we, we didn't know anything, but God will take care of all that. The will of God is designed to evoke a faith response. Now, let me give you a verse that you already know, but you should re-know. Re Hebrews 11.6. And once you make it personal, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. What, whatever, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Faith is more important than you know. Faith is not just a religious curtain we hang in the church. Faith, faith is something you have to live and do. And if you're going to work with God and walk with God, it's going to have to be by faith. And you've got to understand that. You can't please God outside the avenue of faith. So what he does, his will says things to you 
that you can only receive if you receive it by faith. And his will will require a faith response. It, it draws it out of you. So if you're going to obey, this is going to require a step of faith. This is, this, this is not going to be by sight. And you won't know everything. But you demonstrate trust and faith in God when you follow him as he reveals those steps to you. Not every question is going to be answered. Because if he answered all of that, you'd have everything. So faith is you trust him in what he's saying to you now. The will of God, it will never be known if you try to do it outside of faith. Faith is always going to be there. We're required, the Bible says, to walk by faith and not by sight. So, so, so please, let's refine faith. You know, we live in a world, they want to, they want to lay it all out and, and, you know, and whatever, that's for them. But if you're going to deal with God, let me tell you, this faith thing has to be there. Faith, faith will determine much that comes to you or does not come to you in your life. Number four, the needs of others or an open door before us can be the will of God. Let me give you a scripture on that. Something happened in Abraham's life that he didn't really need to pray about. He just did it. And God blessed it. And what it was, it's the rescue of Lot, if you, if you know your Bible. So what happens in Genesis 14, 14, this was never, Abraham was never planning for this. Genesis 14, 14, and when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants and pursued them. Now, you can read the, Genesis 14, 14. When he heard that his brother was captive, there was a need there. My brother's in trouble. I have to do something. So I will use my resources and go out and do something for him. And when he did that, God blessed him for doing that. Because if you read on in Genesis 14, and numbers of you will you know, know this already, it was in verses 18 to 19 that he meets Melchizedek, the high priest of God who meets him coming back from the victory and blesses him in the name of God. And so what I'm trying to say is sometimes a need, when God is showing you a need, that is the will of God. Now, I'm not telling you that every need is the will of God for you, but often God will show you a need because that's his way of communicating to you the will of God. So Abraham just went out and did that and God blessed him for it. The will, of, the will of God can come to you by God showing you a need. Remember Paul had a vision in the night of somebody in Macedonia who said what? Come over and help us. And he said when we heard that, we knew that that was God. So, so many times by God bringing a need before you, is God showing you his will. He, God, what God is saying is you can do something about this. You, 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 can, you can respond to this. Secondly, open doors. Open doors. In Revelation 3 verse 8, God said to a 
church, I'm sure similar to this one in many ways, at Philadelphia. He said, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. So God was telling them, you have an open door, you need to act on that. I've, I've given you an open door, and no one is going to be able to shut it, you need to go through and, and act on that. So needs, open doors, they can show us something of the will of God. A good study is in 1 Corinthians 16, in verse 7 to 9, where Paul talks about his uh, plans. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 7 to 9, if you're going to go back and look at these. He's talking to some other believers. He says, the Corinthians, he said, For I will not see you now, by the way, but, and I, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permits. He said, my fu- I, I can't come now, but my future plan is that I might come and stay with you uh, if the Lord allows that. And this is someone walking with God. He said, but, this is what I have to do now, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. So he said, I, I can't come to you now because God has put before me an open door that is being very fruitful. So I need to stay here and work this opportunity that God has given me at this time. But Lord willing, I will come to you at another time. All right, so, so the open door was an affirmation of the will of God in Paul's life at that time. He had plans or intents to do other things and he said, Lord willing, subject to the Lord permitting that, that's what I will do. And that's a good study in walking in the will of God. You know, I have an open door, I need to do this. I have to tell you, I had a certain agonising about even returning to Thailand next week. I really did. Uh, so, so much of me wanted to stay with you. And, uh, and I have come here when nobody's been here and I have prayed. And, uh, and I have had to seek God's face about that. And I've gone through a certain wrestling of spirit and, and uh, you know, I, I, just numbers of things have just provoked my thought. And I was, uh, I was sitting in the office last week and having preached on sensible things about the will of God, about to blow it all apart. I was sitting in the office last week at the desk Pastor Lloyd's office, now, now the office is just, you know, I have the key. So I was sitting there and I was sitting at the desk and I had my Bible, had a closed Bible sitting on the desk. And I thought to myself, you know, if someone walks in here and sees this closed Bible, it's just not a good look. So Alvin, are you listening? So what I did, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I opened the Bible up. On, I thought, just open it up on the desk. It just looks better when people come in. They'll they'll probably think I've been reading it, right? And so, so I just opened it up because I thought an open Bible looks better than a closed one. So, I mean, I did this. I put it in. Now, don't do Don't follow this, please. If you, if you only get this out of the message, you're going to wreck yourself. So, I just put my... And I flicked open my Bible and put it down. And, uh, and I was sitting there and it was just kind of like the Holy Spirit went... And I looked right at it and I opened up to Elijah... And so many times God has paralleled my life with Elijah. Uh, so many times God has just paralleled things in the life of Elijah, particularly with me. 
Apostle Lloyd used to say, he'd say, you, you, you have similarities to Elijah. Oh, that's what Elijah did. And, uh, and I, it, it had opened right up to uh, Elijah, and it was like the Holy Spirit, and I looked and, and it said, get thee eastward. And I thought, okay. And I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't hanging, I didn't, I didn't do this, by the way. Now, now some of you do. I didn't do this. Jesus, guide me. I, I didn't do that. Right, there, was no, there was no attempt to do that. Okay, I, I suggest a more methodical way to seeking the will of God, all right? But I just kind of did it, not thinking. And, and you know, I'm just saying I, I wrestled with that and, and because so much of my personal longing was to abide with you longer. Uh, but circumstances... Uh, and the open door that is set before me at this time have, have required me to be faithful to that. And I know you understand that. But I'm just saying there's a, sometimes the open door is God saying to you, this is what I want you to do. All right? We're nearly done. Number five, just, what do we, five? It's 19 points. We're nearly there. All right? Number five. Faithfulness and obedience to the will of God is always rewarded. Faithfulness and obedience to the will of God is always rewarded. And that's true for you. God said to Abraham, remember when God put that great test of faith, the last one really, on Abraham to take his only son and offer him up on the mountain? And, uh, and just as he was about to do that, the, the angel of the Lord spoke and it said, uh, Genesis um, 22, 12, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thine son, thine only son from me. God said, you don't do anything, you've shown me now that you will yield everything to me. That, that you lift nothing above me. And then straight away after that happened, God pronounced a whole series of blessings and blessings on the life of Abraham. And I'm trying to say to you that that's pattern for you. That, that as you do and be faithful to what God has asked you to do, blessings will come upon you in response to that. Equally so, when you fail at the voice of faith that has called you, you forfeit blessings until you pick that up again. So blessings are tied to obedience. You, you can't sort of bypass that and just go to the blessings. You need to, you need to be faithful. Jesus said in Matthew nineteen twenty nine, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren. This ought to be a missionary's verse. Everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands where they lived, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. What he's saying is that, yeah, yeah, you, you've given up some things for me in the will of God, but 
it will come back to you a hundredfold. God, God will bless you a hundredfold. Don't ever fear the will of God will give you less than what you think you could give yourself. Amen? Don't, don't, don't ever fear that if you follow God, you'll have a miserable life. Don't ever fear that if you follow God in the partner he chose for you, that it'll be any less happy than your own miserable fleshly choice. God doesn't give you less, he gives you more. You get less when you take God out of the picture. You think you're smarter than God. You, you think you know more. If I was a single person, and I was one once, if I was a single person, I would be praying, Lord, I'm about to make the most important decision of my life after salvation. I'm about to do something that is going to affect me every day of my life until I die. And, and, and God, I want you to choose for me. Now, don't say that, that he points someone out to you and you say, but have you got a blonde like that? That would be better. <laughs> don't, don't say that. If, if you're going to yield to God and then say, God, you make the choice for me, then you need to, be, you need to let God do that for you. And if you're a young person who's single here today, and you just heard me, if you were a little bit smart, you would have looked around and you would have seen a few people who have done it another way and how that worked out. And we're not being critical of anyone. We're just trying to protect you. We want you to get it right so you have a blessed life. A prayer like that, God, you decide for me. You choose the one. And if the one that I've got my eye on is not the one from you, then I'll bear the heartache and I'll go through that because I know that you'll have something that is much better for me. There's a few people here who could tell some stories about that. Broken hearts, uh, uh, weep, weeping and hurt over what was a perceived loss only to discover that God had a great gain waiting for them. When you let God choose. Lastly, sort of, number six, in the will of God, I'm about done and we're going to go have lunch. Uh, number six, never do nothing, do something. Never do nothing, do something. God, God cannot guide you by doing nothing, but he will guide you if you'll do something. Look, look, look at it, you know, it's, a good analogy will be the rudder on a small sailboat or, or a small vessel, that the rudder is only effectual if the vessel is moving. The rudder can guide you, the rudder can steer you, but it can't steer a boat that's not going anywhere. you better to get moving and do something and get active, and do what you do know. This might be the most important thing I said all morning. Do what you do know while you're waiting on what you don't know. Do what you do know while you're waiting on what you don't know. So, so some people are saying, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Yeah, but you know some things now and you're not doing that. If you, if you just do what you know now, the next thing will come. 
And then lastly, 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 number seven, God wants to use you to tell his will to other people. Now, I'm not saying, you know, God told me to tell you that you're to marry so-and-so. But I'm saying this. It is, the Bible is explicitly clear. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come under repentance. God wants everybody to be saved. You know who he uses to tell people that? He uses people to tell people. Uh, he, said, go, go, he said, go you therefore and teach all nations. Uh, teaching them all to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. He's saying that the, the, the will of God is much revealed already. And go and, go and tell people that. Go and, go and help someone else to, to know. And beyond that, there might be specifics for their life. They can pray about that. But there's a whole lot of things you already know that you can help someone else to know about how God wills for our life and salvation is one of those things. And when you do that, when you go and you teach others what God has said uh, and that they get to find the will of God, God blesses that. And I'll tell you why he blesses it, because it glorifies him. We don't often talk about that. We say things that glorify God. What we don't say is when you, when you teach others the things that God has taught you. But let me give you a verse on that. John 16, verse 14 and 15 Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit and he told his disciples about the Holy Spirit and he said, he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He'll glorify me by showing you the things that I've told him and that's what the Holy, that's what the Holy Spirit does and God uses us. One of my jobs is to go to foreign places and tell people there what is the will of God for them. Now, I don't tell them uh, you need to marry this, but I tell them he, it is the will of God that you call upon him to be saved. It is the will of God that you learn him and grow in faith. It is the will of God that you are in a local church every week. It is the will of God that you love your wife. It's the will of God that you be faithful it's the will of God that you teach your children the ways of God. It's the will of God that you render your tithes to the Lord. There's a whole lot of things that do not require special revelation. They're already laid out. And so God might even be using you to share with somebody else about those things. All right, I hope that some of that was helpful to you in your digesting uh, meditations and understanding of the will of God. Let's have the piano player come and uh, the song leader come and we're going to have a closing song uh, we have lunch today i believe uh, good to uh, uh, have you here on a day like that 